Hey, my name is Vanessa, and you're listening to A New Alto. Series where myself and five other guests discuss diversity, representation, and culture in the entertainment industry. These interviews are recorded at different times in different places, and I asked all of them the same questions. In this third episode, we talk about the rise and fall of cable TV and the influence it has had on streaming services and how they have changed the way we watch media today. My name is Hannah Kerger. I'm a junior studying medical molecular biology in Rogers State. Hi, my name is Shama Burchett, and I'm a medical molecular biology major. Hi, my name is Caden Coleman. I'm currently credit-wise a senior at RSU with a degree in strategic communications with a minor in graphic design. My name is Juliette Vusa, and I'm a professor here at Rogers State University. I teach research method, I, and I also teach global communication. And obviously, because I'm part of the communication department, I we require to teach a general education course, and that's speech communication. And I've taught other fun classes, like uh, look at how uh, the media represents minorities. My name is Pamko Arrubias. I am a liberated business coach, and I'm also the host of Cafe Con Pan Podcast. And do you know who does a good job? This is random. PBS with Tesla Street, they get all the characters. They get people of different mental backgrounds, people with disabilities, people with pay disparities, made tons of stuff. Go Sesame Street. Even though they're all birds and like creatures. I think that's appeal because they're not real, technically. Yeah, but that's that's kind of the, the downside too. Like we're getting representation as char- with characters that aren't even real people. Mm-hmm. But they're not people. Do you know that there's a Sesame Street for each country? No. We have like every uh, Saturday... Telemundo has, I remember growing up as a kid, we would have Sesame Street, our version of Sesame Street called Plaza Sesamo. So it's Sesame Street, but it's Mexico's version. But all the same characters. Kind of. Have you ever seen like the tweet where like Big Bird tweeted out that he had like cousins? You remember that? No. We have our own version of Big Bird. Okay, Big Bird tweeted that. That is hilarious. Yes. You've never seen it? Like No. So but Bill. So it's his cousins. So it implies that. Yeah. Big Bird's bro- uh, cousin from, what was the show again? Plaza Sesamo. So it's Sesame Street in Spanish. We don't have Elmo, so they're not called Elmo. So they're not called Big Bird. They're but not there's called... someone that looks like Elmo in the show. Sort of. It's not it's like a big scale as like Sesame Street. You learn more every single day. But we have kind of those versions. Like I remember there's like this pink fairy. She's very popular. I feel like she's kind of like the Elmo of the group. Yes. It's so interesting though because... Obviously, Sesame Street is on PBS, which is partially paid for by the U.S. government, I believe, if not all the way paid for. So I wonder how that works. I will say, speaking of TV shows, you got me, you got me thinking about you know the different languages they offer from both subtitles and voiceovers. I did hear about like Squid Games because it's on Netflix and because Netflix offers so many languages. And for me personally, because I do both Spanish and English, it naturally just defaults to English. So whenever people, like I say, for Americans who typically watch everything in English, Netflix just automatically defaults it to English. So it's not just subbed, it's dubbed. So a lot of people did not know that it was a K-drama because it was in English. I did not like that personally because 
So my dad's why, and I try to get him to watch the Squid Game. You know, we have our different profiles and it kind of generates what you like and stuff. And I've always watched like K-Drama was on my like profile and stuff. And it would like automatically do subtitles for me because they know I never listened, like watch anything with like dub and stuff. But on his side of things, he's always watched like action movies, crime movies and stuff like that. And when he opened up Squid Game, it was dubbed. And I was like, why is it dubbed? I was like, this is disturbing. The people do not sound like that. And this does not sound right. There's been a huge conversation about voiceovers because of Squid Game, of course. Because especially you who would obviously primarily watch stuff in English, Mm -hmm. did it pop up in English or in the original? Well, I made sure to not get the voiceover because... The dubbed. The dubbed version, because it's terrible. From clips I've seen before I even seen the show, just how terrible the dub is. And it truly takes away from the experience because you don't have to hear it in English to feel them emote. That makes sense. The characters and actors and actresses and everything. So I just did uh, English subtitles. Because it's a K-drama and people didn't know that. Yeah. People didn't know that it was a K-drama. Well, it's, it's so fascinating that now it's Netflix's biggest series ever, statistically. And... It's an international show that has international appeal. I'm so happy about that because it draws in a whole new crowd of audience. I hate dub personally. Like even when I used to watch anime and stuff, I would never watch it dubbed. Like I would have to have subtitles. Kind of got over that hump. I was like, hey, just watch it. Like I think you'll like it. And he still watched it dubbed. But then after a while, he was like, he finally was like, oh, I actually really enjoyed this. Like this was actually good. I was like, see it. Like you just have to like branch out a little bit. Some of the translations, like into the dub, or even like the translation subs, were incorrect, you know. And honestly, it changes the meaning so much. And that was a big argument. Some native Korean speakers were like, hey, this is not how it was translated. And they made some TikToks that are like, this is actually means this. And honestly, it changes the meaning so much. And I think Netflix even went back and changed some of them because of those TikToks that went viral that they were like pointing out like, hey, like this is incorrectly like subbed. And I think it should be accurately like translated. I don't think it should like be translated to like fit this other culture because I feel like that causes like more confusion and stuff and people aren't able to get the real meaning behind like this film or this TV show or something through that. Through watching like shows and stuff, like I actually much rather like reading like these subtitles and like reading books that I'm forced to read, I guess, if that makes any sense. But personally, um, I really like even like watching like Chinese dramas and stuff, I will have the English subs on even though I understand Chinese and stuff just kind of see like certain words that I wouldn't know like like the actual meaning of it oh so I feel like it's helping um, my learning or I'll have like the Chinese subtitles on so I can also like learn like improve my Chinese because you know I lose lose that um, language if I don't practice it or if I don't hear it and everything. Mainly the only time I read like Chinese subtitles is when like I'm watching a Chinese show because like my reading gets improved when I hear it and read it, if that makes any sense. So I don't typically watch like English shows with a Chinese subtitle because I feel like it kind of interferes it and that I'm actually struggling more with translating it from English to Chinese because I feel like it's easier to translate Chinese 
to English because I do mainly like speak English nowadays and I don't really speak as much Chinese. So I feel like it's a good practice when I like hear Chinese and read Chinese. Or even now I've noticed I have um, like nieces and a nephew and um, they're in the reading phase, like they're learning how to read. And the way that they learn how to read here is very different from how when I was growing up. I feel like it's a little bit more confusing and it's repetitive. It's not about understanding how to read the word. It's about understanding how it's said. There were other schools that taught vernacular languages and and then English was like a supplemental class, something you had an option to learn. Now it's probably not a thing anymore, but previously it was. And you could tell that Whenever they were learning how to speak, it was different. It was harder to to learn how to speak English later on in life. It was a little bit different for me because growing up back home, my country was colonized by the British. So English was the main language, apart from like the traditional languages. And so I did, I grew up in schools that taught English. You weren't allowed to speak well my language or the traditional languages were called vernacular so you weren't allowed to speak that in school and you could only speak that back home when you got home from school so that's how i learned how to speak english of course granted when i got here it was british english Netflix, I feel like, has done a really good job at, like, pushing international genres. Like, I I watch shows in Portuguese. I watch shows from Mexico, and they're originals. Mm -hmm. My mom has, like, this big craze of watching Turkish soap operas. Yeah. Apparently, that's a thing. People like it. I feel like it's also, like, you, you get to know a lot about the culture. 100%. If Squid Games is the very first K-drama that you've ever seen, there's definitely a difference between English medium or English Hollywood or mm-hmm. Hollywood in general versus K-drama. It's more dramatic, but it's it's very yeah. grounded. It's grounded in a lesson. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's very, they're not as afraid to show whatever they want to show because mm-hmm. they're very graphic, but it backs it up with the lesson. It's not overly dramatic for no reason. Because there's morals in the story, isn't there? Like exactly. lottery, there's to work together. There's all these themes. Oh, yeah. Themes and how they all tie together to what you should be doing in society and how you can change society. I do watch TV shows. So here's the thing. Here's a funny thing. So my sons, for years, they've been telling us, you need to quit cable, get some of these streaming services, and we're like, we don't have time for that. So how many years, maybe four years ago, finally we did, and we were like, where have we been all this time? When did I get rid of it? Oh, it was so long ago. I mean, honestly, probably like 2013, 14, 15, somewhere in that range. It wasn't worth it at all. It wasn't worth it at all. It's not, it was not worth it. I don't know why we stuck with it. I don't miss it. I, unfortunately, I only watch local channels when the weather is bad. Even traffic now, you don't really have to. But the local channels have a tendency of using this saying in TV, if it leads, it bleeds. So I don't like that. They tend to emphasize on stories that will actually attract their audience, their their, their ratings. Yeah, and they tend, they use very stereotypical, uh, in my opinion, sort of uh, means of portraying certain people. With streaming, you can watch news whenever you want. But with cable, you couldn't. You know, you couldn't. You had to wait 
at a certain time towards maybe your a news anchor that you love but i like this this gives me a lot of it gives you a lot of freedom honestly it is crazy that stuff like that's still alive in my opinion because streaming is the future more convenient to get that better content and i don't know love streaming and why i chose to do it is because all those reasons <laughs> better content you know when you watch a show and that's one thing that i like about these streaming services it will suggest similar shows for you so that's how i fall into that unless someone has told me say for instance there's a show jordan peel is doing this se- is doing this series called us is it us or we so i, I want to watch that here it is it's it's moving actually yeah so i don't actively but i actually just because of watching certain series uh, for an extended period of time uh, obviously there are suggestions that, that i made and i end up picking that and i can't think of a last time where i i talked about a show and my mom's like oh i heard from a friend none of it's been cable it's all been mm, streaming that's a very good point the word of mouth goes around way more on streaming services cuz I, I think more people have netflix and watch netflix than watch cable and it's instant access. You can right. binge all 12 episodes of a series rather than, you know, get your, and then record them. Wow. I remember those days where you had to record. Most of the shows I watch is like Netflix, on Netflix or Hulu or whatever, you know. And I watch like off of my iPad or whatever because I just like, cable is just like, I don't know. Like I used to like, I have a TV in my room at home. And so like, sometimes I'll like one Nickelodeon will have like friends on or something. I'll watch that one go, going to sleep or something, but like rarely. TV miniseries are my thing. And I feel like that's better than cable TV. I feel like streaming services are really tapped into a more diverse push than cable TV ever has. So here's my problem with series. And here's my problem with the Netflix phenomenon. They drop the shows and then you have all the episodes. You know, I grew up in novelas, <laughs> which was you had to wait every week for the next episode. The issue with these series now, not everyone does. So so I, I, I Acapulco, for example, that one, they're dropping it every Friday or whatever. Ted Lasso, they're dropping it every whatever. However, there are shows that they just drop all the episodes and you binge them. And my issue is that I'm a binger. So don't give me a plate of pizza because I'm going to finish the pizza. I don't have self-control when I like things. <laughs> it's a problem. <laughs> and so I limit my my TV consumption because I don't want to like forget about life and just immerse myself into into the show because <laughs> there's other things to do. That's my challenge. I got into anime. I, I never knew what anime was when I first got here. And then I started dating my husband, then boyfriend. And he was such a nerd. <laughs> And then he got me into Full Metal Alchemist. And ever since then, I haven't turned back. There's always something I, I can watch that's anime. You know, nerds are cool right now. <laughs> and so there's no judgment there. Who would have thought that Netflix would be as big as it is now? Netflix was the pioneer of original content, streaming-wise. Because they were the very first to do originals. Yeah. And think about it. They were the first, like, big streaming service. And they kind of had all their content based off other studios, like Universal, Paramount, Warner Brothers. But whenever those other studios began to take back their content and make their own streaming services with their own content, they're like, okay, what can we do? Make original content. 
and look how good that's doing for him. We talked about Squid Game and Stranger Things and Tiger King and tons of things that were huge, especially now. And it's only getting bigger. But I would say that, honestly, these new originals by streaming services have been the new conversation. I mean, even like at Disney Plus with their Marvel TV shows, buzz around that. Netflix can just, they have a new one coming out every week, literally. So there's never nothing you can't watch. Would you say it's too much? Too much media? No. I feel like there never can be enough. But then if it it affects the quality of the content, then I would say, hmm. But quality is subjective. Someone else can like it, a certain movie, but I wouldn't. It's for different people. And the more options, the merrier, I believe. Because you get more content and more and more access to things that might appeal to you and might represent you. The only one that I've heard that has dropped in quality that Netflix has done is Seven Deadly Sins. And it's an anime. And both of my brothers have seen it and they were like, don't watch it because... As the seasons go by, the quality in the animation drops. Well, I'll tell you about a show that I thought dropped heavily in quality. 13 Reasons Why. First season, I think, is fantastic. And season two on kind of trivializes the heavy and important subject matter of the story. And it makes it seem like so unrealistic. And it just makes it so less profound, the message the more you watch it. And they really put the nail in the coffin whenever they got rid of the scene of Hannah Baker offing herself. It didn't show the whole thing, but it does show her, you know, getting into that. And that, I feel like if you're old enough to watch it, you have to see that to realize just how big of a decision this is. And how it affects your family. How it affects your family and how big of a deal and why it it shows you so you won't do it. And I feel like Netflix pulled that from the show. You can't even watch that scene anymore. Because I stopped, I watched like the first season. And then I started watching the second season a little later. And then people kept talking about this broom scene in season two. And how graphic it was. And then people were saying that they finished watching season two depressed. It was just this down feeling. Well, I feel like with the Hannah Baker scene, which is funny because they kept the broom scene in, but not the Hannah Baker scene. I feel like it's supposed to be hard to watch and it needs to be hard to watch because it's, it's tapping into a lot of conversations that we don't talk about. Suicide is a huge, huge problem, not only in the U.S., but around the globe. And we need to talk about it. And if we don't see it and its effects, it's a problem. And I feel like if we're just bowing down and like, choosing to be neglectful or what is it called arrogant arrogance is bliss but in the day it's not bliss because it makes you stupid right now i'm watching dickinson about emily dickinson the poet all-american poet she was really she was challenging the times so she was born in the wrong era because she was in love with a woman who married her brother and so her whole life surround like her all her writing And this was found years later, literally, because her poems were found later, later. And a lot of them were dedicated to Susan, which is her sister-in-law. So she's actually, she's a queer poet from the 1800s. I mean, it was very controversial at the time in the 1800s. So how a woman could not dare to love another woman. I love that show, one, because it was written and directed by women. 
it has a woman in the in as the main character. I love that it's historical, yet it has a lot of modern time influences, meaning they're representing the times and they use words like that's not cool. Of course they didn't talk like that before, you know, but they modernized it. And it's such you can it's so refreshing to see the spin. It's almost like it's so fresh because you can tell that it has feminine, it's rooted in feminism, which is great, has a diversity of actors, even though they're representing times where the majority was white, you know, that one's, that one's fun. That one's super fun. But the novelas in the US, it's interesting because they, they're like years, like soap soap operas, but they last a long time. Soap opera actors literally 10 years and they're still in the same storyline. That's wild. I use that a lot in my classes. <laughs> the the fact that these telenovelas were actually formats that were actually started in maybe uh, Mexico, Brazil, for instance, and now they have been sort of actually copied here in the United States. I grew up watching Mexican telenovelas. The rich also cry. Goodness, I've even forgotten that the, the title. It's been a while. And seriously, we took that so seriously. <laughs> I loved Ugly Betty. Believe it or not, I used to watch it. <laughs> I love those characters. And they packed in a lot. Immigration, LGBT. I love Ugly Betty herself because of the character that she was portraying. Someone who's smart, you know. And then I liked her sister who was an independent woman, a single independent woman. So there's a lot that they, they did. I was glued. <laughs> I think I watched the entire series. But I like the issues that they uh, addressed, uh, believe it or not. There was a young boy, I think, uh, Ugly Betty's sister had this young son who was actually trying to find himself, who was actually ended up, I believe, coming out as gay, which was very sad, especially in the culture. So they were showing that culture, how they sort of frowned upon that. So I think they retired it. I think they retired the English. It was around four. uh, They did so many episodes, by the way. But I think they're, they're retired then. Truthfully, like, I don't watch many, like, American TV shows. So it's mainly, like, like some reality TV. But it's, like, very rarely maybe one or two that I will like. You know, I try to get into, like, Grace Anatomy and stuff. But, like, they're so, like, long. I don't understand why there's, like, 20 seasons. And there's, like, 20 episodes each season. Well, people do actually like watch all of it, but I'm like, I can't, my attention span cannot last that long. So like, I like Korean TV and like Asian TV shows because they're like one season, 16 episodes, you're done. You know, you have an ending. And so like, yay. <laughs> so it's longer than a movie, but you know, satisfies. I mean, look at Modern Family. They're still going, which I watched. I David and I started watching Modern Family because we were like, okay, let's find a show to watch. And we started watching the like we started from the first episode and that was like 10 years ago literally it's been a long time and some of these things I'm like how did they get away with this it's so inappropriate so misogynistic like so bad some of the things that they said back then so bad and of course things evolve language evolves we evolve and so things that they did then they wouldn't they wouldn't fly now at all. There's no way. Yet the show is still going because it's, I would hope, I haven't seen the latest episodes, but I would hope that it's evolved with the times. 
I did watch one show. It was called Fresh Off the Boat. And it was like a sitcom as well. But it was like um, a Chinese family. I wouldn't say I was very influenced by it. It was just something like, you know, that seemed interesting. Like I saw clips about and the fact that they were like a Chinese family. Like um, it was a little bit relatable. I would say the reviews do somewhat matter, but I base it off, if there's good actor performances in the story, I will watch it. Regardless of, you know, who they are, what background they come from, I'll watch the TV show or movie if they have a good actor or actress in the show or movie. I would say the plot and probably like, you know, like the cover photo that they have, because if like the cover photo looks interesting, I would click on it to read the plot. So I guess that's the first important thing and then the title of it and then I'll read the what it's about and then I'll start watching it. Because sometimes I feel like trailer can be like turning off. I'm like, oh, that doesn't really look that good now that I watched the trailer. I'd rather like read the thing and be like, oh, this sounds interesting and then I click on it and watch it and then discover like that it's bad or whatever. Most of the time I read the plot overview. Like recently, we've been watching Colin in black and white. So it's about the football player that knelt and almost got fired. Or maybe he got fired. I don't, I'm not very sure. But um, he came out with a show about his experience with race in the United States. And that's a big thing. And I really wanted to hear his perspective, perspective because I can see both sides, but... I don't know, I felt like that could have been handled a little bit differently. But it touches on like real life situations, things that happen to kids of color growing up and stuff. And he was raised by a white family, so his parents were white and he was black. And his neighborhood was predominantly white, so he's talking about his experience in that situation. And then I think I'm still watching it, so I think it's leading up to that day when he decided to kneel. People, I guess things are very subjective. People read things according to their own experience. And, you know, just like if I say something, people interpret it according to how they've experienced whatever I say. And that might have been what that action was for the people watching him. I'm not American either. I haven't lived here all my life. I came here for school, and then I got married to an American. So I got to speak to his family about it. He has a different opinion from his family, but talking about those issues, I, I don't know. It's interesting to listen to both sides. I feel like as the non-American, I don't know if I have that big of an opinion compared to what's actually socially going on. But I also, I think at the time, just the season itself, um, how people were viewing each other racially-wise and what was going on. It was a pretty intense time, and so there were a lot of angry people. I think that's what motivated him to do that in the first place. So I think it was just an intense situation all around. The time, the way that things were perceived, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> it's pretty intense. I think people use those platforms to express how 
it's really difficult to know how it feels like to be in a person's shoes unless you're in them. Like for me, I'm, I'm black. There are some notions I had before I got here because in my country, I wasn't like a minority or anything. And when I got here, it was, it was different. I think it was an awakening because a lot of the preconceived notions I had, I had to experience myself to understand Okay, this really is an issue. Wake up. So one time I went shopping in Walmart and, you know, like I said, I love to talk to my parents when I have free time and I'm like doing something. <laughs> and how you know, I do it when I'm shopping and when I'm driving. <laughs> and so I called my mom and, you know, you speak your language to your family because that's just something you do. And people gave me the side eye. And I'm pretty sure I heard somebody comment about going back home. <laughs> and, you know, a lot has happened. I feel like that was the least hurtful thing that could ever happen. You just laugh sometimes. <laughs> uh, some old lady. I was minding my own business. And, you know, you're polite because somebody is on the other side and they're serving you. And, you know, it feels like to be on the other side. So I'm smiling and I'm like, hi. I went to the deli, and I, just before I started to talk, I was like, hello, and she goes, I don't serve the N-word. That really hurt me. I came here um, to school, because that's the reason why I went there. I was getting my lunch. I, I got back here, and I spoke to my mentor, and I was like, this happened to me, and I don't know how I feel about it. I think dwelling on things just makes you more angry. It's unfair, but how much can you actually do by being angry all the time when things happen to you? I feel like, for me, I get really upset when somebody else is being... Like, if we're in a room and someone else is being treated badly, I will speak up. But if it's happening to me, I'm like, how do I react to this? As an immigrant into the United States, that's how it feels like as well, where... It sometimes feels like I don't even have a place to say anything. But I was talking to my husband. Yes, he's white, but our kids are going to be considered black, right? And uh, I was telling him, you know, babe, I don't know if I want a son. Because I'm really scared of... I, I've been interacted with so many people who are just ignorant or just hateful. You're not doing anything wrong. And you're minding your own business. And people just have this justification in their minds to try and just ruin your day or try I don't know <laughs> maybe it makes them feel good or mighty or whatever to go up to a person who's minding their own business and just do the worst thing and I feel like a lot of black males here are I think the primary target of all of this Thank you for listening to this third episode. In our fourth episode, we talk about the influences that different genres of music around the world have shaped music in the United States. 